The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio. You're listening to The Gadget Guide and today we're going to be taking a look at Apple's new announcements. They've launched some new hardware in uh, their November update and also the latest version of their uh, desktop and laptop operating system, Big Sur. First of all, a quick look at the new technology news. Uh, we'll start off with the mobile phone world because there's been some uh, some leaks around Samsung's new Galaxy S21, their, uh, their new flagship phone. Assuming they won't change the name <laughs> yeah, yes. and call it the uh, something else. But yeah, we're, we're expecting it to be an S21. Uh, we're expecting there to be a 6.2 inch, a 6.7 inch for the 21 Plus, and a 6.8 inch for the 21 Ultra. Uh, 120 hertz uh, refresh screen, so the latest high speed displays. Great for gaming and uh, watching good quality video. Uh, Snapdragon 875 processor likely to be in the ones in the European region. Uh, we're looking at probably having a 12 megapixel main camera. 64 megapixel telephoto and a 12 megapixel ultra wide camera, so very similar to the S20 series, and uh, then also a 108 megapixel main camera. 108 megapixel. <laughs> Uh, yes. Um, so um, that's going to be interesting. Of course, uh, a lot of the pixel counts are slightly dodgy on how they're counting things these days because they're using multiple overlays and sometimes the same pixels counted more than once just on, on how they're processing the data. Yes, so um, it's, it's much less of a, a clear indication of, of the quality of the photos you're going to get. And, and to be honest, that's, that. it's also not really that relevant. A lot, of, uh, a lot more of the quality you're now seeing is actually down to the, uh, the software uh, yes. running on the phone. So it's, it's now quite common to see phones launch and then the cameras actually get better later on yeah. as they update the Spe software. Especially since there's all sorts of interesting techniques about taking multiple photos at the same time, mm. combining them to do the high dynamic range, to do you the um, infinite focus, so you can refocus the, the shot after the yes. photo has been taken, and all those sort of clever things. Uh, 4,000 milliamp hour battery, which is a decent amount for a phone of that size, and colour-wise probably in violet, pink, grey and white. Ah, very nice. Interesting. The, uh, the, the plus and ultra likely to have larger batteries. The ultra likely to have a five thousand milliamp hour battery. Uh, very useful for the larger screen. Interesting. Comparing those screen sizes, we're going from six point two up to six point eight inches. The the three sizes. Uh, compare those to the new iPhone twelves, and they're the two sizes they're they're going for in their sort of main range are six point one and the five point four inch iPhone uh, iPhone twelve mini. Um, so it's interesting that Samsung don't seem to have a good offering at that high-end phone in a small form factor. I, yes. I might have expected them to uh, to follow Apple with something in, in that area. I think they're, they're going to probably leave that size in the A and J series uh, mm. rather than the Galaxy series, which are, are their entry-level phones and are, are very good phones. Oh, very um, much so. But, but they're not... You know, they're, it feels like there's a market for something which is both high-spec but also small. You know, people who don't want something that's 6.8 um, inches floating is, is around that, in their pocket. Is that pocket. called OnePlus or Google Pixel? Uh, quite possibly. <laughs> and, and maybe it's it's something that Samsung are just consciously saying, you know what, someone else can play in that market. But um, given Apple's launch, simultaneous launch of the 12 and the, the 12 mini, and saying, actually, you know what, we see, we see people wanting these in these two size areas. Yeah. I'm surprised that Samsung didn't follow that. Maybe, uh, maybe next time. Well, or of course, you know, the, this is a leak, it is rumoured, and it is expected to be out next year. So, you know, there is there is plenty of time for things to change still. Yes, yeah, no doubt at a, a virtual launch event of some description. <laughs> um, 
yes. going on to the uh, the operator world, E um, have launched their own 5G Wi-Fi uh, mobile broadband router. They're calling it. It effectively, it's uh, what what many people will refer to as a Wi-Fi, the sort of uh, portable hotspot device uh, that you can get. A lot of those very commonly used 3G and now now 4G. There's now the first 5G. Uh, mobile broadband router. So very interesting and I think this is going to seriously shake up the broadband market because you are talking about speeds on 5G. If you've got 5G coverage that can rival fibre optic, um, we're talking about proper proper broadband speeds over over 5G. Um, other important things that they've done is their latest device uses Wi-Fi 6, the latest standard and can run up to 64 clients connected to it which is a lot better than a lot of their previous devices now, so uh, you are talking about something that can almost replace your broadband connection in your average uh, home i i will be very interested to see how this plays out because i i didn't know i've i've not had chance to actually get on 5g uh myself but i i noticed a tweet uh, a tweet from someone the other day who is using 5G down in London, and he tweeted a speed test result, and I'm just trying to find it at the moment. It was not that impressive. Okay. It, it was something that I would expect to achieve on a good day on 4G, or, or mm-hmm. even a moderate day on 4G. It was something like sort of uh, 20, 30 megabits a second down, 10 megabits a second up. Yeah, it, nothing like the, the kind of worse ground... than your average good 4G connection. It, exactly that. Nothing like the sort of groundbreaking speeds of hundreds of megabits a second uh, that, that we've been hearing about is that, you know, this is what 5G is going to deliver. And if that's happening in London already with relatively few users, I I wonder whether 5G is going to scale and keep those head, headline speeds. It's going to be one to watch. To and until we can get our hands on one of these to play with it ourselves and uh, until 5G is readily available in Cambridge, I think we'll just keep our eyes on things and... Um, maybe yes. get a play at some point uh ee 3 all of you if you're listening uh, we'd like your latest toys for 5g to, <laughs> uh, to test at some point um i, I mean they, they it looks like they've built, built a decent device the hardware should be able to do 5g at the right speeds when 5g is able to cope with that yes and they've they've been sensible they put a good battery in it. it's got a 6400 milliamp hour battery inside to be able to go on the go and give you that that uh, high speed internet on the go and a gigabit lan network connection on the backside as well to hook it up to your wired network and that is definitely a good move as well because we are seeing particularly in in sort of very densely populated areas wi-fi can often be the weakest link in in your traditional broadband installation so where you have those critical things if you're doing lots of video conferencing or or playing 4k uh, streaming on your TV, you know, get those things onto wired networks and, and having a, a physical connection on the back yeah, of the yeah. this broadband router is going to be a, a big They're talking a big about deal. prices from 45 quid for 50 gigs of data a month for a 24-month plan. The router's included in that price. 100 gig ups that to 67 quid and 200 gig takes it to £90 a month. That's interesting. I'm, I'm just looking because I, I'm, I'm seeing those, but there's also the option if you go 5g on your smartphone and then do tethering um possibilities of a, a one terabyte a month quote unlimited one terabyte uh for 70 pound a month so there there seems to be some 
reasonable discrepancy um, in that sort of <laughs> £90 a month for 200 gigs versus £70 a month for a terabyte. Um, yeah, that doesn't sound quite... Although that... I, that mm, yes. I think we'll, we'll have to do a bit more digging and see once they've... You know, I mean, these are these all their press release data that we're working through at the moment. We'll have to see what they actually start yes. shipping out the door. Very much so. Uh, into the gaming world, uh, and uh, yet an- another week, another security breach. <laughs> um, yes. uh, this is uh, this is Capcom, the uh, the gaming company. Uh, they've been hit by ransomware. Um, yeah, sadly, with a lot more people working from home, means that a lot more endpoints potentially are less protected than a corporate network might have provided, and we are seeing more more attempts against companies, which is just. Yeah, going to happen because unfortunately the miscreants know more people are working from home and have that lower level of, of security possibly. And and also are there there's just a, a lot less verification that happens automatically. If you're in the office and someone from IT wanders over and say, Oh, can you just check this thing? Then you're going to probably recognise them. You're going to, to trust that they are in the building with an ID card, perhaps. <laughs> yes. Um if you get an email from somebody in claiming to be from IT security, it's much harder to verify that that, that they really were the person you, you think that yep. they were rather than uh, somebody spent, yep. uh, sending you a, a spoofed email. And, I mean, we're, we're probably seeing those sort of things happen in our day jobs, and I certainly have. And it is a challenge. Fortunately, if you get your um, <laughs> your staff paranoid enough about questioning everything that looks even slightly unusual... It helps, but um, it only takes one person clicking on the one wrong thing to get hit. Capcom saying that, and they've been uh, good at disclosing that they have had this uh, this incident. They have said that they have lost sales reports, financial information, uh, nine items of information from uh, personal information from current and former employees, and potentially three hundred and fifty thousand items of information from customers, partners, and applicants and employees names yeah. addresses phone numbers birth dates shareholder numbers and even employees photos yes now the employee employees obviously subject to the more sensitive items there uh compared to customers obviously a lot more customers the good news is that there is no credit card data uh, yes. involved in this my guess is that they've just outsourced that to uh to an external supplier and and they they've not been affected by this so that that is all good um I suspect that this is it's just going to be yet another one of those breaches that people will worry about for a little while. It's probably nothing groundbreaking. Mm. Um, uh, and hopefully as an industry, we'll start to move forward a bit so that actually just knowing somebody's name is not enough to uh, yeah. to, to get you very much. So maybe the, the impact of these is going to, to reduce over time. I, I hope so. Hopefully companies are also going to start considering how they're designing their system so that even if you yeah. do get one person who gets compromised, the impact of, of what that attacker can then do is, yeah. is and reduced. potentially where that customer data is stored, you know, there, there are yeah. a lot of very good, very large customer relationship management systems which are designed for storing this sort of information securely with all the right audit trails to protect the information. Yes, and not not allowing every employee full access to that yes. and the ability to download it all in one <laughs> yes. go. Yeah, that, that's the key. Records is, you don't download very quickly, so that yeah, um, yeah. You you might trust your employees, but do you also trust the person who has just managed to impersonate one of your employees? Yeah, 
Um, moving on to um, things of a, a celebratory nature. Yes, some good say. news. <laughs> happy, happy birthday to Shigeru Miyamoto, who is one of the major names behind Nintendo's games. You know, he was um, <laughs> the creator of Super Mario, Zelda, Donkey Kong, uh, Pikmin, and lots of other Nintendo properties, and uh, turned 68 today. Ah, very nice indeed. Uh, meanwhile, in uh, in other gaming news, Microsoft uh, has apologised for, uh, for for Xbox Series X shortages. Yeah. Um, Xbox but, Series but X, not... of course, launched on the 10th of November and was released globally. If you could get your hands on one. Yes, uh, and it seems like they might not be the only ones because uh, Sony have, uh, uh, have apparently suggested that the PlayStation 5, the PS5, might uh, might end up in a similar state uh, they're yeah, due, due to launch due in a few days' time. 19th of November. So they didn't yeah. change their date to, to coincide with Microsoft, which I think would have been just chaotic. Oh, well, uh, yes, uh, it's where, uh, which one do you want to get hold uh, to, to buy, whichever one you can get your hands on. As it is watching uh, friends tweeting about... Um, their relationship with one of the world's largest online retailers and ordering an Xbox and getting told it's um, it's been delayed, it's shipped. No, it's been delayed. No, it's been deferred. Um, <laughs> having paid for getting it on launch day um, and then watching it sort of orbit chunks of London, uh, supposedly on the, the tracking system, then getting stopped in a hub at 5pm and then thinking, we're not going to get it today. It turned up at 6pm. Oh, so, nice. well, well, well yeah. done on Amazon from for actually getting it to the door, even if they were running around like crazy till yeah. late in the evening delivering Xboxes. It's a big box, a big chunky lump of hardware. Um, but uh, yeah, if you got in early and you got yours, then you suffered the problem that, of course, they all shipped and required an immediate firmware upgrade. Now, I, I did see that UK <laughs> broadband providers were reporting their highest ever day of internet usage in the UK yes. as a result of all of the Series Xs simultaneously wanting to do a fairly chunky, uh, fairly chunky download. Chun- chunks of Microsoft's infrastructure went slightly wonky for that evening as well because oh, lovely. Um, all of the uh, Xbox login servers reside in the same sort of environment that things like uh, everyone's Exchange Online, Office 365 and Outlook.com logins run in. Now, this is just one of those challenges, which is how much, <laughs> oh, yeah, how much burst capacity do you build here? Do you, you know, do you build enough to, uh, to, to deal with your one in, a, you know, one day in, you know, every three couple of years, years. Yeah. yeah, event. <laughs> um, I, yeah, that's, or do you just tolerate that it's going to be a, a little bit slow? I think they just decided they would tolerate that. I think they probably had added capacity but didn't realise it was going to be as, as hectic as it actually ended up being. Yes, and, uh, and the same thing has been true with the, where, with the, the production and the shipping. Yeah, they, yeah. They, uh, the, the head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, um, said, you know, we've been building these for two months in the run-up to the launch. And, yeah, that's how many you can get out of the factories. Uh, uh, yeah, to, to make that any different, you either have to start building them earlier, which means you have to have finalised it earlier, um, or you need to have added loads more factory capacity, which you only need for that two-month window. Uh, yes. Or you launch it later, and then, of course, it's not ready for Christmas. <laughs> um, uh, Sony are saying, you know, as as you get your new PS5 in a few days' time, have patience if logons take a bit yeah. of time and if it's got to <laughs> yes. do firmware updates. Game already saying they're out of stock, totally sold out. Uh, Amazon saying 
they're into their second wave of <laughs> we've heard about second waves before second wave of stock due soon john lewis saying that their stock is, their first lot is sold out so yeah if you haven't got an order in get in the queue basically at the moment uh, for yes. playstation 5 if uh, if virtual reality is your thing uh then oculus have just announced a uh, an update for the quest Ooh. this is the uh, the virtual reality goggles um and this adds rather importantly 90 hertz refresh rate so this is the number of times a second that your uh the screen in front of your eyes redraws itself and the is reason- that going to get rid of the nausea Exactly that. That's the hope, or at least uh, at least improve it. It's shipped with uh, 72 hertz. So that's 72 times every second it draws a new picture in front of your eyes. Uh, and the problem that we've seen with certainly the earlier virtual reality headsets is that if you don't respond quickly enough to when somebody turns their head, they turn their head and then a little bit later the picture updates to show that they've turned their head. Yep. Uh, and that, of course, really confuses your brain. And uh, for a lot of people, that makes them feel feel rather sick uh so hopefully this upgrade to uh, to 90 hertz that's sort of about 30 percent faster um that's going to reduce that latency reduce the delay uh before the the virtual world updates to to match your senses um and hopefully that will uh, uh that will also make life uh, a little bit more comfortable for you if you uh, if you previously suffered yep uh electric vehicles yes uh you, you, you found this one <laughs> i i did so uh the story is uh, starts off over in the USA. Uh, GM General Motors has recalled sixty eight thousand of their uh, their Chevy Bolt electric vehicles in the US uh, over reports of battery fires. Uh, this, of course, has been a, a constant risk with electric vehicles. You, you know, you've got a lot of high uh, high capacity batteries in there. Lithium polymer battery technology is something that that is prone to, to catching fire, although a lot of manufacturers have done an enormous amount of work to make them uh, as safe as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, let's not forget that our traditional petrol cars are sitting on a 60-litre tank of something that it is itself rather prone to, uh, to going up in flames. Um, but GM is recalling these uh, 68,000 bolt EVs uh, to try and identify the cause of five battery fires over a two-year period. So it's not something that's happening you know, day in, day out, but they obviously want to get to the bottom of it um, and and rectify the, uh, the, the causes if there is a, a common cause. Um, meanwhile, I, I thought it was amusing to see these two stories basically next to each other in the, the tech news. Um, the UK are looking to potentially bring forward the ban on sales of new fossil fuel cars uh, to as early as 2030. So it was originally slated for somewhere around 2040, uh, 20 years' time. That's that's looking like that might actually come forward uh, by 10 years to uh, to 2030. If you'd asked me that of, uh, sort of two, three years ago, I would have sort of gently laughed, but it's starting to feel plausible. Yeah, we're now starting to see a good range of different styles of cars with very respectable ranges that effectively live up to as far as you would want to drive without a stop for a, a cup of coffee and a bite to eat anyway, um, and a much larger charging network. Yeah, we're, mm-hmm. we're clearly not there yet. There's a lot of infrastructure still to go and a lot of development still to go. But you know what? 20, 30, 10 years' time, given where we've come in the last two or three years, that feels like it's plausible. We're not going to make, get everything off the roads by 2030. It makes but, you wonder if the, the sales of cars in 2030 will spike as people aim to get that last legal <laughs> in car. <laughs> um, you know, just so you can actually have one that will 
possibly, but you, you, you know, I I was looking the other day. I, I noticed that um, MG of all companies um, have launched an electric, uh, a pure electric estate. Okay, for basically the same price as you would expect to spend on an equivalent from any other car manufacturer. It's you know, it's not going to get you up in, up to Scotland in one go, but it'll do. I think it was sort of two hundred and twenty miles on a, on a charge. You know what? That's three hours driving. By th- by the time I've driven three hours, I probably want to stop at the service. Do want anyway. to break? Yeah, have lunch, um, uh, have, so, have a have grub, and your car sits there and uh, and charges. Yeah, so definitely uh, watch that space. But it's 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 seeming increasingly plausible. Right, we'll uh, be talking about the new Apple products and uh, what they've launched in uh, the recent update in just a moment. Cambridge 105 Radio. In 1960s Cambridge, you might have shot at Joshua Taylor, gone roller skating at the Corn Exchange, and seen the Beatles perform live at the Regal Cinema. On Sunday mornings, John Gannon takes you back in time with hits and memories from the swinging decade. John Gannon's 60s scene, Sundays at 8am, on the station that's live and local. Cambridge 105 Radio. Looking to buy a new home this summer but it feels out of reach? Think getting on the property ladder just isn't an option for you? Think again. New homes in Haverhill and Cottenham are available now with shared ownership with your mortgage deposit as low as from £4,000. The final two and three bedroom homes at Bower Place and Boyton Place also have exclusive incentive packages available worth over £2,500. With £1,000 shopping vouchers, £500 towards your solicitor's fees and three months rent free, book your viewing today to find out what's on offer. Reserve from just £99 and find your new home this summer. Think shared ownership, think complete moves. Visit complete-moves.co.uk or call 020-3640-7111 today. Terms and conditions apply. Need dropping off at work? Miss the bus and must make that urgent appointment. Need picking up after a night out with your mates? Panther Taxis is your Cambridge-based taxi firm with over 700 drivers, offering great rates and local knowledge, ensuring you make it quickly and safely to your destination. We don't inflate our prices at peak times, and all our drivers accept payments by cash or card. Book your taxi the easy way. Download our free Panther Taxis app through your app store and start booking your taxis on the go. Call Cambridge 715 715 or see panthertaxis.co.uk. Panther Taxis, your local quick, reliable and friendly taxi company in the city. And it's time now to look at all the latest announcements from Apple. They've uh, we've had quite they, a lot of Apple over the last few months, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, they've they, been they, busy. They've been they certainly have been throwing new stuff out into the market like mad. And uh, just this last week, they've uh, announced a bunch of new hardware as well as some new software. So, on the hardware first, yes, and this is in their sort of conventional computer. And when I say that, I mean that. Sort MacBook. of Mac, MacBook, Mac Mini, as opposed to iPhone, iPhone, uh, iPad. Although, as we'll see, the line between those is substantially blurred now compared to uh, to what it used to be. It used to be a very separate world between them. Yep. Um, but this marked the launch of something that people have been speculating for about for quite a while, uh, and also has a little bit of a local angle on it, because the uh, the, the new MacBook Air, MacBook Pro and Mac Mini uh, ship with the new Apple M1 
chip. Now, this is the main processor behind the uh, the devices, and it's it's moved away from Intel. Uh, yep. Now, Apple went to Intel, when was it? It must have been back in the late 90s, early 2000s when they moved away from the uh, the PowerPC processors. They moved on to, to the Intel range. Uh, and 2006. Two, was it as, was it as <laughs> late as that? Blimey. Uh, that um, was with OSX Tiger. Yes. Uh, and then... Now they've gone to the M1, which is based on ARM. ARM, of course, headquartered in uh, in Cambridge, um, and this marks a major shift because suddenly it's a completely different processor. It's it's not just a little bit faster, a little bit lower power, a little bit um, you know more optimized. This is a complete change. Yep, in fully processor. designed, obviously, by Apple for Apple with ARM, and is designed obviously to be the best CPU for their hardware. They've included the CPU, the GPU, uh, and RAM on the CPU, on the M1 chip. So it's an eight-core CPU, four high-efficiency cores, four high-performance cores, and the GPU has another eight cores. So this is nearly three times faster than the previous MacBook Pro's CPUs. Now the that G- there's a, GPU there's... five times faster. Now, there's a few interesting bits that they get from doing this. Uh, and ARM, of course, um, are an intellectual property company. They design these processors, uh, but they only design effectively the design of them. They don't manufacture anything. Yeah. Um, and then folks like Apple will then buy those designs, incorporate them with other blocks like the, the, the GPU, the graphics processor, and like the RAM, they'll, they'll be buying that in from, from other companies. Um, and then they get to plug effectively plug and play bits to, uh, together, and then spit out the actual physical lump of silicon themselves. That gives them an awful lot of control. And by incorporating those all onto the same physical silicon chip, they get all of the different components incredibly close together. Um, and that that makes a big difference to performance because electrical signals, yeah, they might travel at the speed of light. That sounds very quick. Um, but when you're switching things, you know, billions of times a second, even moving six inches across the motherboard of a laptop or of a computer, that that really adds up. And so by combining all of these different elements onto one single bit of chip, they're not constrained by any existing form factors. They can really deliver some uh, some incredible performance. And and indeed, that that looks like what they're uh, what, what they're managing to pull off here. Because uh, yeah, they incorporating a lot of the technology that's in the iPhones and iPads now. Very true, yes. Back into the MacBook. So their neural engine, which is they use as part of the operating system to do things like improve your photo when you're actually editing your photo in Photoshop. Um, all those sort of interesting bits of, of compute that aren't quite always CPU, aren't quite always GPU and sort of hybrid stuff start to take advantage of this new processor. So they can do some really interesting stuff inside the CPU now that they weren't able to do before. And, and an, an interesting thing, even just on the sort of the raw benchmarks, um, apparently the, the new M1 chip, the lowest end MacBook Air is coming out in some benchmarks as being faster than the current highest spec i9 MacBook Pro. Wow. Which is quite an incredible yes. achievement, really. Yeah, the, yeah. The, and this will feed back into the phones and the iPads, no doubt, because they're now using the same, at least the same architecture, the yes. same type of processor yeah. uh, across all of their platforms. Yeah, I mean, you know, people are now able to do things like tie, take an iPad Pro and use it to do everything that they used to do on a MacBook. 
yeah, because of the 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 comparat- uh, the compatibility for applications and how the whole ecosystem hangs together. I think this is going to possibly entice some people back from uh, iPad Pros, which of course Apple will be happy with. Uh, the MacBook uh, Air 13-inch M1 CPU base starting from £1,000. Uh, that gets you 8 gigs of RAM, 256 gig SSD, um, all the features are pretty much the rest of them are standard. If you want 512 gigs of storage, add another 250 quid onto that price. That gets you to 512 gigs. Uh, those are the two new models in the Air range. Some of the other things that they've announced for those is um, a lot better battery life, 18 hours battery life. So that's yeah, so an improvement you're effectively... You're running an, an iPad-style processor, but you've yeah. got all of the space for a battery that you would in a normal laptop. Uh, no fan. Mm. Uh, again, this is this is something coming across from that mobile world. Yeah, yeah entirely passive cooling. So the chassis is is part of the cooling system. So yes, it might get warm on the on the outside of the metal chassis, but uh, no fan to disturb you, no noise. Um, of course, the new operating system, which we'll talk about a bit later. Uh, what else are they doing? You can get up to two terabytes of SSD. Those models not out, or at least no pricing available for those yet. Uh, we will wait and see what those ones do. Uh, of course, their latest Retina displays as well. These have all inherited a lot of the technology in their displays from the iPads and from the iPhones. So you're talking about a 2560 by 1600 resolution, 13-inch screen. Very nice. Of course, there are some trade-offs from uh, from doing this, and that is that move away from Intel to over to ARM has meant that all of the existing applications that were designed to run on Intel processors, um, they've done some very clever work, actually, the Rosetta 2 um, translator. And that basically, when you run your application, it will fake an Intel processor (laughs) behind the scenes. Um, And they're, they're getting incredibly good performance from that because that sort of translation is has traditionally been slow they've they've done a, a very impressive job with that um but where there are holes at the moment at least uh is when you want to go a step further so at the moment particularly in business um people who are using macs will quite often have a w- copy of windows running in a virtual machine uh so maybe you've got a few sort of business applications that are windows only um that is not currently supported on the new uh, arm based macs um, so if you think, oh, I can do basically everything in Mac OS, but there's a few things that I need to, to run on Windows, that's not currently an option. Um, and similarly, from a software development point of view, uh, if you're sort of really into uh, to software and you currently use technologies like Docker to run containerized applications, that again is currently not supported. Um, probably going to end up being supported at least in some form, um, but it does mean that people who could previously do sort of cross-platform development on a Mac maybe just need to hold off at least until they get uh, get the answers to those chunks of uh, chunks of technology. We'll we'll see what happens, but um, it's definitely worth being aware of if you're uh, if you're looking to buy a new hardware. Having now done a bit of poking around the Apple Store online, uh, the 16 gigabyte, two terabyte storage MacBook Pro comes in at two thousand three hundred pounds. Ooh. Yes, and and that that's the other thing. They they are topping out at sixteen gigs of RAM. Yeah, there is no option to go any higher than that, and it's no. it's not user upgradable either. So uh, uh, again, it's... that will be plenty for many users, but those high end users, I wonder if they're just going to be left a little bit sort of wanting for uh, for thirty two or sixty four gigs of I RAM. I think they're going to expect. Oh, actually, you can get sixty four gigs in the 
16 inch Kawhi 799 still, but not the M1s yet. But, but not the M1s, yeah. Yeah. So that is a, a limitation there. I think they're probably going to aim people who want that sort of amount of memory at the more desktop-oriented models and say, you know, your MacBook mm. Air is not necessarily where you'd run that workload. Yes, uh, it'll be interesting. I'm guessing that may be an artifact if they've got the RAM embedded on the M1 chip, uh, possibly even an artifact of physical space. Yeah, how much can you can you squeeze onto that chip? Could well be. That's uh, that. That's entirely possible. Well, we'll uh, look next at uh, the the latest version of uh, the operating system. That's RSX Big Sur. Uh, Big Sur, Big Sur. Um, That's coming up in just a moment. Cambridge 105 Radio. Cambridge Breakfast with Julian Clover and Lucy Malazzo. It's the breakfast show that's all about Cambridge. We've got the news. National and local. Travel updates. From the A14 to Milton Bode and all stations to Cambridge. The people and the places. Plus guests in our Friday food club. Cambridge Juice. All the new things to do in the city. Our daily quiz. Oh yes, questions, questions with Lucian. And all request Jukebox Friday. And don't forget the coffee. Cambridge Breakfast with Julian Clover and Lucy Malazzo. Here with a fresh blend weekday mornings from 7. What's in your spare room? Christmas decorations? Maybe an old exercise bike? Could you give that room to a young person along with a fresh start? St Christopher's Fellowship is looking for people to become foster carers in Cambridgeshire to provide safe, caring homes for teenagers who need help. And because we've been working to improve young people's lives since 1870, you can trust that you're not on your own. You'll receive regular training, dedicated social worker support and space to share experiences with other carers. It's more than a spare room, it's a brighter future. Call 0800 234 6282 or visit stchris.org.uk slash fostering. St Christopher's, creating brighter futures. Hi, Pam here. Are you tired of the same old shops? Drop into Fantasia on Mill Road near Parker's Peace. Enter our treasure cave full of fine clothing and exotic homewares. Natural materials, uplifting ambiance, mood improvement guaranteed. Perk up your wardrobe, your home, your life. Dare to shop different. Fantasia, 64 Mill Road, Cambridge. Fantasia.uk.com. For opening times, please see fantasia.uk.com. You're listening to the Gadget Guide on the Cambridge 105 Radio, and we are now talking the uh, the latest in software from Apple. Uh, this is on their uh, their laptops and uh, and desktops line. Yes, and everything is, that's not an iPhone or an iPad. Yes, and is now also the now operating Mac- system that ships with all of the new M1 CPU based MacBooks that we've been talking about. Yes, so this is uh, macOS Big Sur, uh, S U R. Um, and uh, it's their latest uh, latest release. It was released on, when was it, the 12th of November, a couple of days ago uh, now. And, you know, as usual, comes with a little bit of a mixed reaction. Uh, but let's take a look, first of all, at some of the uh, the, the key features. Oh, by, by the way, name they're, they're still naming things after mountains at the moment in California. Oh, I was going to say, well, where is Big Sur? It's a rugged and mountainous section of the central coast of California between Carmel Highlands and San Simeon. Oh, okay. So it's not a uh, not a single uh, mountain. It's a range, is it? It's a it's a it's a range. Ah, yes. Okay. 
Um, so yes, um, that's what it's named after. Um, no specific boundaries. One of those interesting areas of oh, geography. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's what they're aiming for here. Yeah, the, <laughs> no the boundaries. Limitless possibilities of <laughs> the new version of Mac OS. So of course they they revealed it at their worldwide developer conference online and virtual in June and. Um, showed it off to all of the developers so that they could get early access and start playing with it. Uh, what this week has happened is it's now generally available for everyone who's got a relatively current uh, bit of Mac hardware. Yes, so this is now, you know, for, for most people who aren't in the developer program, aren't in that early access program, they can hit the check for updates button and it will go and uh, download and install. Or at least that's the theory. I have seen quite a few... Uh, notes about people having uh, having failed installs. Um, I'm sure <laughs> uh, that's just the, quite the sort of day of, one teething troubles. <laughs> quite a lot of um, scathing commentary from a lot of diehard Mac fans as well. Mm, a lot of people yes. not liking new, the new icons. I did I did read one term and someone did say Fisher Price in the same sentence as MacOS Big Sur. Oh, I, I, um, I had that. I had that as uh, one a description of a bit of software I wrote once. <laughs> I think it was intended as a compliment, but it didn't seem like it. <laughs> yes. They have customised a lot of things. And I tell you what, they've done something really neat with the control centre. The control centre where you can configure things like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, AirDrop, keyboard brightness, do not disturb, all those useful controls. You can now pick up all those objects and drag them out of the control centre and drop them onto your menu bar. Ah, very so you nice. Can have so if you've fast got access, access to them. Mm, and I tell you nice. what, Microsoft, take a note. That yes. I'd love to be able to customize the stuff in my sys tray, which I, you know, there's stuff there that I never, I'm never going to touch, like a tablet mode, but I wouldn't mind having things like adjust my network adapter settings readily available there. It's yes, not, you know, you've got to jump through too many hoops sometimes to find things in Microsoft. So I think, uh, of course, yeah. the, this is not the only change they've made to that menu bar as well. Um, yeah, everything's just generally got a little bit fatter. Um, the menu bar's taller. It's Interestingly, it's gone. Uh, it's gone translucent, as has the uh, the dock. Um, so they're going away from these sort of fixed bits of chrome uh, that you can't see anything through to something that just gently floats on top of uh, your wallpaper or whatever applications are underneath. Um, and also made some of the menus larger. Now, is this sort of a nod towards touch screens? <laughs> is it a little bit of a blurring between iOS, yeah, iPad OS, I mean, they, and they, Mac they've, OS? They've, they've never had touch screens on the on the MacBooks. Um, because I think they're afraid that that's going to take people away from iPad. Yes, exactly. And it, it's, it's getting divided comments from a lot of people as to does it lead to that this big. was the Fisher Price thing. It's the, the I think so. Done. Yes. Yeah. You know, you're not going to want to fingerprint your nice shiny new MacBook. So why make the icons finger sized? Well, we will uh, have to watch the space <laughs> we'll on that. And see. Uh, notifications have also had uh, some big changes. The uh, the, the notification centre itself has uh, uh, has been under redesigned. There's now a single dedicated column for uh, for notifications, and also oh, nice. grouped together, um, either by thread or by application. In other words, they've borrowed that from Windows Ten. <laughs> <laughs> the the action center do you mean the the sort of uh, no, the, the grouping and grouping of notifications yeah see i've i've never used that in windows 10 i i've just always turned that off and it's like there you get yeah. out of the way the apps do it better themselves but yeah yeah it's that constant um, thing of what's better for one app versus what's a more coherent behavior for the whole operating some system interesting stuff around safari and privacy and security stuff they've they've th thought a lot more about security so there's some serious improvements in that 
which is never a bad thing. And one tweak, which uh, obviously they've been watching my screen, um, is the uh, the tab bar design now displays more tabs at once. <laughs> so <laughs> if you're someone who, uh, who, like me, opens web pages and never closes them again, you end up with sort of 30 or 40 uh, web pages open. Um, you can now see more of that and move between them more quickly. Yes, I tell you what, uh, having had Chrome decide to lose all of my tabs after an update recently, thank oh, you, Chrome, um, oh. I have... My, my new favorite, my new favorite plugin, and I can I can seriously recommend this to everyone who uses Chrome. It's called the Great Suspender. Um, <laughs> there, there was a, a music choice, but you've missed that boat. Um, what it does is it first of all it shuts down the tabs you're not using to save resources, so you don't have Chrome using your entire RAM that you've got on your system, but it also keeps a copy of them separate to Chrome, just in case Chrome loses your history. Very good. The one last thing I'll, I'll just pull out from uh, from Safari uh, yep. is password monitoring. And that's something we're seeing increasingly with nice. password managers doing this. Uh, basically, it watches what happens. If there are any data breaches, we mentioned one earlier, uh, if there are any data breaches, it will just note whether you've used that password on any other websites and just give you a little flag that, you know, maybe you want to change that one. Good, good plan, that one. That's all we've got time for on this episode of The Gadget Guide. Just a reminder, you can catch us every other Monday on Cambridge 105 Radio from 6pm. Cheers for now.